He is an amazing God. Amen. So, so glad that you're here today on this first Sunday of Advent. And it appears like it's come really quickly, right? Uh, it seems like, didn't we just have turkey a few days ago? <clears throat> and immediately we are here on December the 1st to begin um, our, our march, our, our move right toward the celebration of Christ's birth. It's our, our customary um, way to spend these weeks called Advent, the Sundays of Advent, looking into this wonderful provision of God to us by giving his only son, Jesus Christ. I am I'm so glad that he has provided for us, right? And, and even as we worship God in our giving, I, I just want to underscore what Chris says. It's really part of our worship when we give. Also, in fact, you can look inside of your program. Perhaps you've found there a brochure that just highlights some of the ways that your general fund giving goes. And it just helps so much us accomplish the task, the mission, and the ministries that God has given to us at PNC. And uh, we just love uh, doing this work together, don't we? Don't we? Yes. It is together, right? It is together. We don't just assign this to somebody else. It is together that we do this ministry. God has provided for us in a powerful way. I can't get away from the reality of mystery. If you could just uh, land here in the land of mystery for a while, land in the land, right? Be here in the the mystery of God for us. You know, a lot of things are are kind of mysterious, right? Like, tough to explain. You know, kind of, maybe you can't even explain it at all, but, but you see it. It's kind of like what you have when you look into outer space or when you look deep into inner space, into the structure of our body and cells and into just, just through the micro regions as well as the macro regions. You just have to be in awe, I think, at uh, there's, there's an element of mystery. And for all that we do know, there's a lot that we don't know. And for all that we can explain, there's a lot that we cannot yet explain. And we live in this great, grand world that God has, has provided to us. And so over this season of Advent, I want to talk to you about mysteries that matter. Like, mysteries that matter. Actual things that you cannot explain are critically essential to your life. Things that nobody can explain but only can declare are critical to your life. It is the mystery that saves your life. The saving of our lives is found in the mystery of God, in the mystery of God's grace, in the mystery of God's goodness, in the mystery of God's intervention, in the mystery of God with us in manger, in a child, through the birth of this little one that came to us and that we celebrate on Christmas. I have uh, blatantly four purposes in sharing this with you over these next four weeks. So I'm just going to tell you what the purposes are. Are you ready? Right out from the outset. Here it is. To show, right? Oh, no, excuse me. To draw 
us into the beauty of the grace of God, resulting in worship and love toward him. So that's the purpose in this. I, I want to, in the scriptures that we share over the next few weeks, for this entire Advent season to be for this great purpose of drawing us into the beauty of the grace of God, resulting in worship and love toward him. So this is not a matter of just retelling a story. It's not merely a matter of trying to look at some unusual facts or or some of the narrative here just to say, yes, I know that and put it aside. But it's actually meant to draw you into a relationship with God, the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, so that your life actually goes out to Him in love. He has won your affection. He has won your affection. I've given a gift to someone before, and when I give them the gift, they go, oh, okay, thank you, bye. (laughs) I go, I go, what? (laughs) I thought about this. I planned for this. I wanted to do something for you. And you just receive it as though it's common and ordinary. I would imagine that God, in the giving of his son Jesus for us, would want to arouse within us an unknown affection for him that draws us into a lifelong worship of God where he becomes the center of everything for us. As the Psalms remind us, we become like what we worship. If you worship idols, you become like idols. We become what we worship. You become what you worship, and you do worship something. All of us, we are worshiping creatures. We have been created to worship, and we will always fill that void in our lives with something to worship. If it's not God, it is something You are worshiping something right now, and it is shaping your life. And so I hope that as we look at these mysteries that matter, you will be won over to God's great act for you in Jesus Christ. And that you will begin to worship him with all of your heart, soul, mind, and strength. The second purpose is this. To create, to create opportunities for a personal transaction between God and us. The great scripture says that he who knew no sin, Jesus, who knew no sin, became sin for us so that we may become the righteousness of God. That's a transaction. Out of the relationship of worship, there's to be an actual transaction. There are to be things that take place in which we are trading this for that, right? Right? Where, where we take what is broken in our lives and we receive the shalom that God brings to us in Jesus Christ. I'm going to be calling you to transactions. I'm going to be repeating, I think, the scriptures and the call of God to you to make a transaction so that you can begin to write a different narrative altogether, a different story. To trade guilt for forgiveness, to trade shame for belovedness, right? To trade rejection for acceptance. There's so much that God wants to give 
to us. I had this experience one time when I was a counselor at a, at a, at a youth camp, and I was early into the building where they held, held chapel that day, and I sat there, and I was praying over uh, just this, you know, what's to come and asking God just to bring, bring his truth and his freedom to the kids. And as I sat there, I just imagined for a moment, just captured my imagination that up in the right-hand corner of the building as I looked up there, I felt like from that place, God was saying, I have so much to give. I have so much I want to do. I believe that's the case for us today and all through this season and this year. Okay, the third purpose, declared purpose, is this. And it is that we, that what he offers us becomes our experience, empowering us to write a different narrative. So, so what he offers to us actually becomes what we experience. And wouldn't it be wonderful if that what is offered, like if the peace of God is offered to you, then the peace of God becomes your experience. If joy is offered to you, it becomes your experience, right? If freedom is offered to you, then freedom becomes your actual experience. And then lastly, to help us be people that are really happy, truly joyful, about Christmas and the new year of God's saving grace and to serve him with joy, right? Joy to the world, we're saying. Well, guess what? You're in the world. Guess where the joy needs to land? In your heart, right? In my heart. So if I'm just slugging my way through life, absolutely devoid of joy, always seeing what is lacking rather than seeing what has been given It is one of the purposes of this series of teachings that there would be a release of joy into your lives. I pray it to be so. Amen? Let's pray. Father, thank you. You want to do something fresh and new. I will tell you, it takes your presence with us to reveal who you are. It takes... Your work in us to bring us alive. We ask you, Lord, bring us alive to who you are and what you have done for us in Jesus Christ. We're so filled with unbelief. We're trapped in a world that often cannot even conceive of a God who is outside of us invading us and coming to us. We have dumbed it all down into what we can control and what we can explain. But God, you are far greater, not only in the way you work, but in how deeply you love. So open our lives to your mysterious and wonderful saving grace. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. So the first thing we're going to talk about on this day as we begin to unfold a mystery is that desperation meets hope. Around this season, we're reminded of passages in the scriptures that show us that the desperation and the lostness, the brokenness of humankind 
is met by the generous hope that comes to us from God through Jesus Christ. Over this series, this uh, month, we're going to be taking passages from the prophetic book Isaiah and take passages from the birth narratives and the story of Jesus out of the Gospels. And we're going to bring these two together to look at both the transaction that can happen as well as the mystery that makes it all possible. So let's read two passages of Scripture from Isaiah. The first is found in Isaiah chapter 9 and verses 1 through 2 and 6 through 7. And then in chapter 11 of that same prophetic book, chapter 11, verses 1 and 10. Chapter 9. Nevertheless, there will be no more gloom for those who were in distress. In the past, he humbled the land of Zebulun and the land of Naphtali. But in the future, he will honor Galilee of the nations by the way of the sea beyond the Jordan. The people walking in darkness have seen a great light. On those living in the land of deep darkness, a light has dawned. For to us a child is born, to us a son is given, and the government will be on his shoulders, and he will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Of the greatness of his government and peace, there will be no end. He will reign on David's throne and over his kingdom, establishing and upholding it with justice and righteousness from that time on and forever. The zeal of the Lord Almighty will accomplish this. In chapter 11, a shoot will come up from the stump of Jesse, and from his roots a branch will bear fruit. In that day, the root of Jesse will stand as a banner for the peoples. The nations will rally to him, and his resting place will be glorious. Some 500 years, as I mentioned before Jesus came, the nation of Israel was in a really, really bad place. There are words in in these verses that describe how absolutely horrible it was. Words like gloom, like that cloud (laughs) over your heart, over your mind. Gloom that just follows you around so that no matter what is going on, you not only are experiencing the gloom and doom, but you're also expecting more of it to come. And then distress, those experiencing distress and anguish of heart, stressed out in your inner person. There's just so much distress, like despair and hopelessness that are a part of the way that you're thinking and what you are currently experiencing, the way you judge the things that you are experiencing. There is this distress. And then it says that the people were walking in darkness and they were living in the land of deep darkness. It's as if to try to, you know, like pile up the words here so as to let us know that it was a desperate situation. A stump. Out of the stump of Jesse, it says. A a stump of Jesse would have been like Jesse was the father of David, King David. And when it speaks about Jesse, it's talking about the lineage of David, King David, where it had been promised that, that there will always be a king over Israel. 
There will, there will always be, God will establish the, the monarchy, the kingship of David. He will establish that forever. But the people were not experiencing that anymore. Everything was now just a stump. Let me, let me explain to you why it was a stump. The nation had fallen to invading armies. The temple had been ransacked. Articles of holy articles from the temple had been taken to foreign lands and put in the temples of other nations' gods. The city had been burned. Infants had been killed. Moms and dads had been killed. The brightest and the best of the nation had been taken to other lands. With the temple gone, the very presence of God appeared to be gone. With the land gone, the gift of God to his people had been gone. Israel was fundamentally no more. A stump. They experienced it as a nation. Sometimes you've experienced it in your personal life. Many of us at one time or another have experienced what it means to have, 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 have the stump going on, right? Well, we had hoped what happened hasn't happened. You know, dashed dreams, frustrated expectations, disappointed, disappointed hopes, broken relationships. A divorce, a death, a loss of a job, right? A loss of a home. Sometimes people begin life as stumps without any advantage whatsoever to cope with this life. The stump. And it looks like there just isn't any hope. And if, if you've ever been in a place where it was green and it was flourishing and it was growing and then all of a sudden it's just wiped out, then you kind of understand what they're, they're sensing here. What the prophet is talking about. It's a desperate situation. Several years ago, someone loaned me their cabin over uh, on uh, the, kind of over on the east side of, on the west side of Puget Sound. And, and I would go up occasionally to their cabin and, and just for some extended retreat of a, of a couple of days. And uh, I remember the first time I went to the to the cabin, it was just beautiful, just so beautiful. I was going back to a lake I'd never, like, really even paid any attention to. And all the trees, you know how the Northwest is. Man, don't you just love, I'm, you know, to all of you listening by way, you know, of this uh, video recording, I, I just tell you, we feel sorry for you. You don't get to live in the Northwest, right? The Northwest is beautiful, absolutely. So I had made my trek there. It was hard to find. I was following a, a, a map that, that was given to me because the GP, you would just lose, you know, any signal up there. But we made it, I made it back there, and it was a wonderful time. Uh, about a year later, I went back, and you know what had happened in that entire area? It had been clear cut. It all, I mean, I know, <laughs> I know there's a plan because I passed those, you know, those, those, uh, uh, rows and rows of trees that say planted in 1980, planted in 1985, planted in 1990, planted in 2000. I passed those places, but for all intents and purposes, when I went through that, not I could, didn't recognize anything. It was just all devastated, and I thought, how sad. And even though I knew somebody must have a plan here, 
I mean, in Washington, of all places, right? We have a plant, right? Because we're environmentally sensitive. But I felt a, a deep sense of loss. How deep the loss is that we sense when we feel that we're living that, that stump life. What's to come? Is there any hope? Most everybody had believed there wasn't hope, except the prophet of God, except the person who comes and speaks the word of the Lord, saying, even out of this desperation that was really created, in their case certainly, many times in ours too, by our own rebellion or the rebellion of others, by the sins that we have committed and the sins of others committed against us, in the midst of all of this brokenness, the prophet comes and says, something amazing is going to happen. The people who lived under this gloom, who lived in this distress, who were living in the land of deep darkness, upon these people, a light will shine. Really? (laughs) There's going to be a light that shines? And out of the stump of Jesse, there, there will, a shoot will come. A tender shoot will come out of the stump of Jesse. Surprise of surprise. Amen. So this is the prophet he can see only because God shows him how to see. He begins to see and deliver this amazing word that something is, is going to break in on the scene. That a new, a new person is going to come. In chapter 9, when he talks about the light shines in the darkness, he says, For to us a a child is born, a son is given, the government will be on his shoulders, and he will be called just the person we need. Wonderful counselor, mighty God, everlasting father, prince of peace. And later on in Isaiah chapter 11, where he says a shoot will come and, and he will bear fruit. It's just, it's just amazing what it says. It says that there will be a reconciliation of old, old hostilities and old fears will be laid aside and there will be peace brought and it will be so secure that even a young, a young toddler can exercise dominion over the wildlife, right? I mean, if you read chapter 11, it's just amazing what's going to take place. For to us, A child is born, a son is given, a shoot that becomes a branch that bears amazing fruit. We have come to know, and the New Testament understands, that the person that fulfills these prophecies is Jesus Christ. Jesus fulfills this. Jesus is the child. Jesus is the son given to us. Jesus is the shoot. Jesus is that comes out of the stump. Jesus is the branch that bears this amazing fruit. How does that happen? How are you going to get from desperation to hope? Truly. Not, not just psyching yourself up. Not just like a little, some mental gymnastics. How are you actually going to get from desperation to hope? Well, it's found in this great mystery. A mystery that matters. And that mystery is in the birth of our Lord Jesus Christ. Luke chapter 1, verse 18. In, excuse me, verse 26. In the sixth month of Elizabeth's pregnancy, God sent the angel Gabriel to Nazareth, a town in Galilee, 
to a virgin, pledged to be married to a man named Joseph, a descendant of David. The virgin's name was Mary. The angel went to her and said, Greetings, you who are highly favored. The Lord is with you. Mary was greatly troubled at his words and wondered what kind of greeting this might be. But the angel said to her, Do not be afraid, Mary. You have found favor with God. You will conceive and give birth to a son, and you are to call him Jesus. He will be great and will be called the Son of the Most High. The Lord God will give him the throne of his, uh, of his father David, and he will reign over Jacob's descendants forever. His kingdom will never end. It is a precise fulfillment of the 500-year-old prophecy from the book of Isaiah. Amen. God is up to something, right? God is up to something. How will this be, Mary asked the angel, since I am a virgin? Problem. The angel answered, the Holy Spirit will come on you and the power of the Most High will overshadow you so the Holy One to be born will be called the Son of God. Mystery. The problem is answered with a mystery. And this mystery matters. This is how God delivers His truth to us. This is a mystery that saves us. When I look at this mystery, I, I'm just like, ah, oh, here, here already in embryonic form is the Trinity of God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Here is this mystery of God, which we'll talk next week, entering into human flesh and becoming flesh with us. Here is this amazing mystery that saves us. This is the mystery of the saving God. This is the God who will not let us stay a stump. This is the God who will not allow us to stay in darkness. This is the God who provides a way out. This is, this is the good news. This is the gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ. Man, I'm just like, I'm blown away by how generous God is. Let me ask you this. Can you believe this mystery? But I remind you again, mystery a dictionary definition, something that is difficult or impossible to understand or explain. I find this rather difficult to explain and understand. Do you? If you could explain it, you've already dumbed it down. This is like, this is, this is beyond. Like, like, this is the work of the God who creates humankind. This is not the work of humankind who creates their own God. This holy God pursues us. What does it feel like to be pursued by the holy? To be, do you know that you are pursued by the holy one? By the holy God, the holy and righteous and true God. You are, pursu- you are pursued by the faithful, loving one, the covenant God. You, you and I, we are pursued by him. The breaking, the breaking us free of the rule of sin and death the help that comes from the outside, a conspiracy of the heavens against the darkness and against death and despair that has gripped us. A shoot will come from the stump of Jesse and his roots, a a branch will, from his root, a branch will bear fruit. Oh my goodness. You look at the baby in the manger. It's easy for us to keep it like 
tucked away in some little nursery rhyme or some little fairy tale. But when you realize what this is really saying, who has really come to us, and what he becomes as an adult, how he bears amazing fruit. This is a branch. This is a shoot, a tender shoot, who will grow into a branch who will bear fruit. He is the faithful vine of God with us. He will bear this amazing fruit. He will deliver us. He will heal us. He will bring forgiveness to us by his death. He will give us fresh starts. He will raise our dead lives. He will shine light into our darkness. He will bring us life. This is what we're celebrating this Advent season. He brings us hope. He brings us new names. Holy, chosen, dearly loved, he says we are. Reconciled and restored to our original glory. Jesus addresses our desperation. And Jesus is the mystery that brings us hope. Amen. I love that. I love the, the picture of that. I, I love understanding that he has come like that. So, so I, no wonder Paul wraps, can you imagine, like all these verses, right, are wrapped around two verses in Romans chapter 15. Look at these two verses, okay? It says this. The root of Jesse, there's Jesse, he appears again, right? The root of Jesse will spring up, one who will arise to rule over the nations, and him the Gentiles will hope. So they're here. So what are we to do with this? May the God of hope fill you with all joy and shalom as you trust in him, so that you may overflow with hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. Oh, just like here, 500 years, right? Here, the work, the work of Jesus, right? God coming to us in this baby. And then, and then now years later, Paul writes about this to the Roman Christians and says, remember the hope, remember the hope, remember the hope. Grounded in history, the root of Jesse. Let's read this together. May the God of hope, say it with me, may the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace as you trust in him so that you may overflow with hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. Let me call you, as I mentioned at first, to some response to this. There's first the question of worship. In light of this mystery, I ask you this. Is God worthy of your affection? Your worship and your whole heart and life, is he worthy? In light of what he has done for you and for me, in the light of this mystery that matters, if this is God's work for you, I ask you this question regarding worship. Is he worthy of your affections? Is he worthy of your worship? Is he worthy to be, to be uh, released from the confines of an occasional, uh, you know, wink of the eye or nod of the head and to become the essential Lord of your life, the one you worship who's, a, 
who has, who has captured your affections. Is he worthy? Amen. Second, the question of transaction. Is there any desperation or gloom or darkness or distress that you need to forsake in favor of his good hope? Many of us are devoted to our desperation. We're devoted to our distress. We are devoted to the things that are wrong within our lives. We nurture them, (laughs) these things. We repeat it over and over. And God calls us to repent, to turn and go the other way, to forsake our desperation and gloom and darkness and distress in favor of his good hope, to believe him and to allow him to create a transaction within us so that what we've been carrying around is now given to God and what God has to give us can come flooding into our lives. His good hope. Amen? So is it time for a transaction in your life? Been carrying around guilt? He wants to trade that out. He's done something about that. Carrying around shame? Carrying around unbelief? Carrying around kind of a victimization? You know, carrying around entitlements, feeling sorry for yourself, you know. uh, Carrying around lies about who you are, who God created you to be. Carrying around lies instead of really the truth. Is it time for a transaction? Could today be today? That you begin to write a new narrative? Perhaps for some of you that would mean baptism next week. Or in two weeks. I would say it's time. God has acted. And then the last question is the question of joy. Isn't it time to believe that God has done something mysteriously wonderful for you? That God is the extravagant lover who pursues you in his holiness. That he desires to release true joy in you. Isn't it time for a release of joy so that the next time you sing joy to the world, they are not words of an ancient hymn. They are words of a present experience in your relationship with the God who has won your heart. Amen? Wow, this is a mystery. I don't understand it. I don't understand how God can do that transaction. It's just so mysterious. Just like it has to be God, right? What human person can ever do these things? But God can. And that is the promise in the mystery. Father God, thank you so much for this beautiful day. A time in which we can pay attention to you. Be drawn up into your mystery. And be recipients of an outpouring of your grace, mercy, and joy upon our lives. 
May no one leave without hope and without you, O God. May no one still be confined to the prison of their own sins and leave unforgiven. May no one be unable or unwilling to see you, O God, as worthy of our worship. Thank you, Lord, for the gift of Jesus Christ, your Son.